dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Leadership is a question that's often brought to the fore today. What is it, though, that makes a true leader? What's the difference between a leader in Christ and a leader in the world? These questions are taught to us by our Lord in Mark chapter 12. Let's listen in today as I preach on the importance of leading from the inside out. Let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Mark, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well. This is uh, so good to be back with you and to be able to reflect on the power of God's word. I want to look especially today at Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 13, verse 2. This is a particularly fascinating aspect or or scene in the Gospel of Mark, and I think it has a lot to tell us about how we are called to be leaders today and the special way that Jesus expects of us to be leaders. This is so important because, you know, leadership is just one of those things that everybody's talking about, right? We have books on leadership. We have tapes on leadership. You can have, people can make an entire living off of coaching on what makes for a true leader. And their their theories are usually taken from the military or they're taken from uh, examples of business. And in other words, exactly where we are and where we're called to be with Christ, actually out there trying to make something happen and be a motivating factor of change in our world today. And so it's very timely to be able to then say, well, it's interesting to look at those worlds and understand what what those worlds need, but where does Christ intersect the world of faith and spirituality with that world of business or again, military images of, of, you know, of, of combat or of change. Where is it that my faith, my devotion to Our Lady, my devotion to the saints, my, my devotion even to, to my community of belief and true fraternal love, how does that have anything to do with these other areas of life that seem so much more pertinent or at least where leadership seems so much more called for. 
And what a lot of people do is they end up putting leadership on the side and they say, well, in those areas of spirituality, leadership looks like something that really doesn't, you know, it's hard to define and it's even harder to look up to, right? Uh, because in the end, that's why we don't usually look towards religious leadership as if it was a form of leadership to be esteemed. You don't find many books out there today being like, be the best religious leader you can possibly be, right? We all know we kind of want to be, but what we really read about is generals who have won or football coaches who have pushed the limit, you know, to find just how far they could push their players or athletes who push their bodies. I'd like to say, though, that if you really want to push it here, the monk, the warrior, the business leader, and the athlete all have something in common. And that is this call to character-based leadership. And knowing myself, you know, I, I am a religious. I'm a member of the Brothers of St. John. So even though I might not be a monk in the full sense of the term, we live a lot of the elements of monastic life in religious life. And those elements of monastic life put a lot of emphasis on what we call integration. That is to say that you're the same person whether you are working or praying or, or eating or sleeping or being with your community. In fact, you're the exact same person. So that means that the power that we have in the chapel can be applied and driven and given to the people of God that we serve by the apostolate. Wouldn't it be amazing if it was the same for you? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could say that the reason I'm in church is because I'm in church so that I can be there for my children. I'm in church so that I can be there for my wife. And the love that I have for God, I'm able to overflow and give effectively to my own family. Wouldn't it be amazing if in the same way you're like, my family life, instead of being a place where I don't know, where I hide from God, a lot of people do that. You know, I, I, they, 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 they say, I love God very much, but it would be so hard to put him before my family. Uh, there was a, a vocation director, for example, for the diocese, uh, Archdiocese of New York City, who at one point said that the greatest obstacles for, for priestly vocations in his diocese come from two sources. The first is money, and the second is mom. Meaning the hardest things for those priests to give up are those two. And therefore the family becomes a place where a lot of us end up hiding and turning away from Christ's call into a total discipleship. Wouldn't it be great if it was just the opposite? If the more that we spent time with the family, the more our hearts were open to the call from God. And how about with work? Instead of work taking us away from our religion because it's a place where we're called into excellence, what if the place that we were at work actually fed into our prayer and allowed us to pray more deeply? This is what Christ wants from us. Integration, where work, family, and prayer actually build the one off the other. This is the place where I think we can find His light if we take a look here at Mark. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. 
Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, so guys, like, it, let's focus ourselves in here. The question at hand is, what is a Catholic to do with the power of Jesus Christ when it comes to the leadership he's called to exert in the workplace and in the family? And we, say, we want to take a look at Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 13, verse 2, in order to find that answer. And what do we find? Let's take a look. Uh, Mark 41, 12, 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Okay, so these words are, are really powerful, right? And you could use them, as a lot of people have, to kind of look down on uh, having beautiful things for God or to kind of look down even on rich people who give a lot of money to God, and it, this is not the point, right? We got to remember that the same temple that Jesus here says will not stand one stone upon another uh, is the same temple that God himself commanded to be built. So what Jesus is not saying, don't build the beautiful building. What Jesus is saying is that there's something more important. And the rich people putting money in the temple is, of course, a very important thing to sustain the temple life, to keep the priesthood fed uh, in the temple, which is, of course, a very important thing because they work full-time for God. All of these things require, obviously, large sums of money. And so that they put in large sums of money is helpful. It's not that he's criticizing that they put in large sums of money. The thing that he's criticizing is that the inside is more important than the out. That we cannot expect the outside to actually replace what comes from within. Now, this is, why does it say that? Well, if you go just a few verses earlier in Mark, you see why. And in his teaching, he said, this is Jesus, Mark 12, 38, quote, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. So here, our Lord, what is he saying? He's warning right after he says that. He goes and he looks at the widow who gives two small coins. He looks at the temple and it says they will not be left one stone standing upon the other. What's his message to us? His message to us, I think, is pretty clear. 
a leader will always be tempted to think that his leadership comes from the effectiveness that it has in terms of power. Christ is saying that true leadership is not a question of power. It's a question of authority. Power is from the outside. It's the ability to make people move. It's the force that you have to, to influence from the outside the outcome of anything. Uh, but this is not the same thing as authority. I remember when I was uh, 21, I started to become a teacher. I, I took my first job as a high school teacher at age 21. I went down to uh, a small town in Western Ohio and I'd gotten hired. The high school that hired me was desperate for a teacher. And so they hired me with just two weeks before the school year was to start. And so I had very little experience in teaching, actually none at all. And I was going to be thrown into the classroom. So I interviewed uh, with one of the teachers at the school and I said, how do I teach? Teach me how do I discipline, especially the students who are in class. As you know, uh, for a high school teacher, your first year, this is one of the biggest things. How do I control the classroom? And this teacher gave me a great piece of advice. He said, listen, you need to work with your students based on a relationship that you have with them. And then he told me this story. He said, you know, there was once uh, a student and he's just making this story up. He said, once was a student and the, the student stood up in the middle of class and the teacher said, sit down. And the, and the student said, no, I will not sit down. And the teacher said, I ask you to sit down. And the student said, I will not sit down. And the teacher said, I command you to sit down or I'm going to punish you severely and, you know, throw you out of the classroom kind of thing. And the student sat down and then he said to the teacher, I'm sitting down, but inside I'm still standing. And you think, oh my goodness, right? What am I getting into? That's what I thought to myself. But what the teacher was, the point that they were making was that you can win on the outside. You can have power on the outside, but that doesn't mean you actually make the impact. With our children at home, for example, we can have a powerful presence. We can command this or that. We can supply for them all of the different things that they need. But we got to remember that what a child needs more than anything else is a strong inside called character. And if you can give that child character, you can give them the outside as well. But if you do not give character, then the outside, no matter what the appearance is of no avail. Now, this is something that's really important because especially when it comes to children, you can't neglect the outside. Sometimes we say, okay, I just got to be all about the inside, helping them to become loving and joyful and all this stuff without the outside. So I'm not going to discipline in any way, shape or form. I'm not going to bring them to mass if they don't want to go. I'm not going to make them work because work is difficult. You have to remember, I think here, a beautiful key uh, to, to, to pedagogy and teaching and that's to say that the outside teaches the inside. One of the great things about a lot of the traditional practices that we have in religion, from kneeling with our hands folded, to receiving the, the Eucharist on the tongue, to uh, having devotions like May crownings and things like this, that a lot of us put aside and we say, oh my gosh, I don't know why. That just seems like it's something that's on the outside. Be careful. 
the inside is formed by the outside. And the way that we approach God, even with our bodies, has an impact on the way that we approach God with our hearts. Especially in the bad times, when bad things happen and where we're challenged by things that are happening in our life, failures and stresses and all of those things that can, that can deteriorate our inner spirit, they can actually be buoyed up and carried by the disciplines that we have and the practices that we have on the outside. The outside can form the inside. And it's, but at the same time, it doesn't replace it. Now here we can examine our conscience a little bit. Where in my leadership have I allowed the power on the outside from the, the, the tenor of my voice to the height of my position to the influence that my money might have in different circumstances that I lead in? From the way that people look at me and the power and weight of my reputation. And, and which these things are all important, just like the buildings are important, just like large sums of money are important here in Mark. It's not that these things aren't important. It's just that they don't constitute the essence of a Christ-based leadership. And that Christ is asking something deeper from his apostles. When he forms his apostles to be the leaders who will take his gospel into the culture, he realizes that they have to be stronger than the outside. They have to be able to generate a culture from the inside. Are you someone who can generate the culture in your home and in your workplace from the inside? This is who Christ wants you to be and the kind of leader he's waiting for. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. All right, so we've you know, really lo looked at, looking here at Mark chapter 12, we, we see the call. And the call is, how do I become authentically dedicated to truth, to goodness, such that even if my outside uh, appearances and my outside position, my outside reputation, you know, be, be, be shaken, that I myself still be an effective leader. Why is this so important? It's because, guys, when you look at the hierarchy of things, right? You have God, you have family, and then you have work. And as important as all three of them are to be integrated in the same person so that it's you who are on your knees, who are the same person who stands up and then goes into work, and the same person who goes into work every day is the person who goes home to be with the family. That integration is absolutely key. Uh, and at the same time, it's important because we realize that the one causes the other. If I want to be a, a, a champion at the workplace and to be an effective leader for good, I will be trained in that leadership by the way that I am at home. I remember listening to, to a person with a lot of wisdom uh, talking uh, and just kind of like making the comment on the side. He said, Father, remember this. It's easy sometimes for some people to hide at work. 
It's easier for them to stay working than to go home and to face the relationships that they have to build there. And I've listened to that. And, and over the years as a priest, I've watched and it seems to be true. For some people, the workplace is a place where they prefer to be. Now for others, it's definitely not. You could say, there's no way I'd rather be at work, right? Because at work, there's, yeah, there's the drudgery and the toil. But I think for us who are leaders, workplace is actually a place where, my goodness, you get to produce things, where a lot of the drama of interpersonal relationships can sometimes be put on the side because you can focus on the project and driving the project home, where you accomplish things and where you're rewarded. How do I become a true leader? That is to say, not just effectuating an advancement of the bottom line, although that's important, but actually transforming and creating a positive culture in the workplace, a place where, where my workers look up to me, not just as a leader who makes things happen, but as a leader who actually is an example to them of life. I think that the place where I look for true leadership to be caused in the workplace is in the home. If I can train myself in my relationships with my spouse and with my kids to be good, well then imagine what I could do in the workplace. Why? Because when you're home, it's not your title of mom or your title of dad that wins the day. That might win it from the outside in terms of power, especially when they're young. You can just command them, go over and clean your room, go and sit, there's a time for a timeout. But as the kids become older, we want them to respect us. How, what do I have to do to make my kid respect me? Well, sometimes you can't do anything because they're just teenagers and it's really hard, right? You know, but at the same time, respect is something that's earned from the inside. But in other words, who you are commands respect. What you are is something subject to power. But who you are and how, who I am, that's forged by when everything is gone from the outside and it's just me. And how I behave and how the example that I show, how I treat my spouse. The, the, these come from, not from the outside because you're forced. These things come from the inside because you choose. You are the result of your choices. Who do you choose to be? This is, this is so important, everybody, because at that point you say, well, what is it that dominates my ability to choose? And this is the secret to integration. Remember, the one level causes the next. Leadership in the workplace is caused by your, your interactions at home. The, 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 the strength that you have of your relationships with your family and your dedication to your family causes your character that you take into the workplace. Well, what causes those relationships? How can I influence myself and to be the best person that I can be in those relationships? And the answer, I think you all know where I'm going, is God. In other words, who I am with respect to God, he touches the depths of my soul, the depths of my identity, I am never more truly myself than when I face my creator straight on. Yes, and here I'm talking about the power of religion from the outside. 
kneeling, going to mass, doing religious practices, obviously. But I'm especially saying what happens when from the outside you allow those practices to stir something deep within called your recognition of God. When I recognize God and stand before him in truth, I'm living an act of faith Well, that it kind of like goes to the core of who I am, doesn't it? I mean, I can't hide from God. It says in Hebrew that we all stand naked before the eye of God. He sees all things. He penetrates us like a two-edged sword. He cuts between joint and marrow. He knows every part of us. He searches us and he knows us. He knows our resting and our rising. He knows where, when we sit or when we stand. We can't run from God. And if I could stand before him and repent for my sins and ask for his forgiveness and they also acknowledge his deep love for me, well then that healing of truth in my soul will impel me towards my family with confidence. I don't need to run away from the gaze of my seven-year-old or the gaze of my 15-year-old, or the judgment of my 18-year-old. I don't need to run from them if I'm kneeling in front of my God. And if I'm kneeling in front of my God, and I'm not afraid of running from them, then I'm going to go into that workplace with something that's deeper than the desire for, for a promotion. I'm going to be in that workplace for something deeper than the desire to make profit. I'm going to be there because I'm an authentic, it's an authentic expression of the person that I am who comes from the mercy of God. And now we're evangelizing the workplace. The, we, we end up taking it to the culture when in fact we started from the inside. And Jesus is teaching us this is his power of his word. It transforms leaders from the inside and sets them free to bring the gospel to the outside. And this is, in fact, the great call of his grace. And this is why it's so important for us to seize his word and to stand in truth in front of him. Because the man who kneels in front of his God can stand before the world. God bless you. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.